0: I've invited my friend Josh Manning to come all the way from Fresno, California, Fresno, California, to, there we go, that's better, uh, to open God's Word. He's, a, he's become a good friend who, he loves God's Word, he loves campers, he loves hanging out with kids. And so, give him a big, warm, heartland welcome as he comes to speak with us. Thank you, Byron. Hey, who's excited to be here this weekend? A few you guys—that's what I like to see. That is the energy that we like. Hey, just before we dive into uh, what this weekend is all about, I just want to share a little bit about myself. This is about the least important thing you'll hear all weekend, um, but I want you guys to know who you're going to be hearing from. And so, my name is Josh Manning. Uh, I do come from the land of Fresno, California. Where are my Fresno peeps at? Fresno? Yeah, there we go. What about Clovis? You guys are like—I grew up in Fresno, like. West Fresno. I'm a Central High School graduate, okay? So, is that Central right there? My people, let's go. Hey, so I live, like, Fresno and Clovis is this weird dynamic where because I went to Central, I'm like a lesser than citizen, okay? So, I have some bitterness in my heart towards Clovis. Maybe the Lord will work through that this week. Um, But to tell you guys just a little bit about myself, uh, I'm 24 years old. Uh, I graduated high school in 2015. I went to Fresno Pacific University um, and I got a bachelor's degree in Christian ministries. Uh, and for about the last six-ish years, just under six years, I think, I've been working in some context in the church. I had the privilege of doing a two-year internship uh, under my dad, under my old man, which was incredible at the church that I grew up at. My dad's been a pastor for um, close to 30 years now. And so that was a huge privilege for me. Uh, and then for about the past four years, uh, I've been the student ministries pastor at New Covenant Community Church. of you guys may have heard of it, if not, uh, it is all good. Uh, just some fun facts about me. Uh, I'm an avid outdoorsman, and so if it has anything to do with the outdoors, um, hunting, fishing, hiking, literally just sitting in my garage and not inside on the couch is one of my favorite activities. So anything that has to do with outside, I am all about. Uh, but one of the most uh, interesting fun facts about myself, that probably the thing that I'm proudest to say, is this past October, uh, I was married to an incredible woman named Bryn, and uh, We have enjoyed the last four months figuring out what this whole marriage thing is all about. If you corner me later this weekend, I will show you a picture of her. She's way out of my league, uh, and I'm super proud to call her my wife. Now, I have a question for you guys that I want to start off with. How many people like sports in here? Any sports fans? Yeah? Who watched the Winter Olympics this year? Anybody? Fewer hands. Okay. Can I hear, though, what are some of your guys' favorite Olympic sports? Let me hear them. Just shout them out. Gymnastics, ice skating. What else? Favorite snowboarding, my man. S- skiing, shooting, skeleton. skeleton. That's sick. Curling, my man. Cross-country skiing. One more. I don't think I know what that is. Maybe I need to watch more soccer. Oh, soccer. Okay. I thought he said like soccer or something. From I can't hear up here. I'm kind of hard of hearing. Okay. So how many how many snowboarding fans do we have in the room in here? A few. How many people know how to snowboard? Okay. I will go on record and say this about myself. I'm an avid boarder. Like anything that has to do with boards, I'm typically pretty good at. Okay. In in a humble way, I'm pretty good at it. Snowboarding, though, was probably the most embarrassing thing I have ever had to learn to do. I'm not good at it. I'm decent. I can get by. But snowboarding, let me tell you guys my first experience snowboarding. I went to China Peak kind of the local mountain around here, if you guys have been there. My wife, uh, when we were dating, took me up for the first time. She's been snowboarding since she was a little kid. I got off the lift and I literally could not stand. Have you seen videos of like giraffes trying to walk? Baby giraffes, like right when they're born, they just can't. That's what I looked like on a snowboard. It was embarrassing. It was horrible. My tailbone was so bruised the next day, I, I couldn't handle it. Now, when I watch the Olympic snowboarding, it's like I'm on another planet. Okay, it's like I go into another universe. How many of you guys have heard of this cat named Sean White? Any Sean White fans in here? Okay, let me me just, if you don't know Sean White, let me tell you a little bit about Sean White. In 2006, Sean White made his snowboarding debut in the Winter Olympics. And for the last 17 years, he has competed in every Olympics since then. He's a four-time gold medalist in snowboarding, probably the greatest snowboarder of our generation, if not one of the greatest snowboarders um, to ever live. An incredible athlete. Like a guy who, when he gets on the half pipe on a snowboard, it's literally like watching the perfect form of art. It is an incredible thing to witness. But can I ask this question? Do you guys think that Sean White just accidentally stumbled? into being a 17-year pro snowboarder with four Olympic gold medals. Anybody think that was an accident? accident? Just his first time on the board, he was just phenomenal. No, that would be foolish to think, right? But to look at a guy like that, to look at these extreme athletes that we get to watch compete at the highest level, imagine the commitment that they have to their sport, right? The commitment level that they have to developing their art, to developing their sport, to developing what they do. Training for hours and hours and hours every single day, but it doesn't just stop at the training. I would be willing to bet that a guy like Sean White was on a strict sleep schedule. He had to get a certain amount of sleep. He was probably on a strict diet and a stretching schedule. For a guy like that, for one of us to compete at that high of a level would require an insane amount of commitment. You might say that he had to devote 100% of himself to this sport in order to get there. And then there's the aspect that you can't just get on a board and expect to do these 1260 McTwisty Flippy, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, so there's this aspect of a guy like Sean White is sacrificing his body in order to learn these things. There's so much that would go into it. The level of commitment that these athletes have is absolutely incredible. But There's something that I want to point out, and it's something that I don't think that we consider a lot. It's that living with that level of commitment in anything, whether it be a sport or uh, your grades, your academics, a relationship, living with that level of commitment is not just saying yes to a bunch of things, but every yes that we say to something requires some sense of surrender. See, every time a guy like Sean White said yes to training, he was saying no to sitting on the couch. Every time Sean White said yes to going to bed early so he had enough rest to compete the next day, he said no to staying out and hanging out with his friends. Every time Sean White stuck to his meal plan, he said no to eating Twinkies and host, like, you know what I'm saying? Every time he said yes to commit to something, there was something that he had to surrender. And that aspect of surrendering something, being willing to give something up, is something that I believe sets apart Extreme athletes are people who perform at the highest capacity in anything. It's the aspect of surrender. Now, surrender is an interesting thing, and this is what we're going to camp out on this weekend together. For these extreme athletes, though, if they want to work towards something that is bigger than themselves, if they want to work towards something like the Olympics, they have to be willing to surrender some things. And what we see in people like this is when they find great value in this thing that they're chasing, they have a great willingness to surrender things in order to get there. And the same is true in our lives. See, when we find something that we place a great value in, we're naturally willing to surrender things in order to obtain it. Now, I wanted to start with this example because this is something that I not only see in the lives of so many around me, but in my life as well, and it's this, that when we place a great value or we place great value and great worth in all kinds of things. And very rarely is the thing that we place the greatest value and worth in in our life is our relationship with Jesus Christ. So many other things in our life take the front seat. There are so many things that we love to commit ourselves to, that we would be willing to surrender things to, you name it. Whether it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you have, It's the sport that you want to go big or get a college scholarship or it's your grades or or you name it. There are so many things that we're willing to surrender other things for. But very rarely in our lives is Jesus Christ and our relationship with him the thing that we are most willing to surrender for. And if I can save you guys some time, As a young dude who's been in junior high and high school, who's walked this road, who's been where you guys were just a few short years ago, I can promise you this, and I'll tell you this straight up front tonight. There is not a thing that you can value more in your life. There is nothing in your life that will ever bring you more value, meaning, or purpose than your relationship with Jesus Christ, period. There is not a single other thing. I played sports. I had relationships. I have had all kinds. There is not a single thing that I have ever found in my life that I have found more meaning and value and purpose and then in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, what I want to do this weekend is this. I want to talk to you guys and answer a question. And This is the question that we're going to focus so much of our time around this weekend. What would it look like for each and every one of us to live as fully surrendered followers of Jesus? What would it look like for each and every one of us to live as fully surrendered followers of Jesus? Now, this word surrender, I said earlier, is an interesting thing. And I understand that surrender has often been associated as something kind of negative, right? Like, like the culture, the world that we live in is this world, this culture of, man, never give up. And fight until the end. And white knuckle it. And, and, and hang on until you can't. Any, like, this is the world that we live in. Surrender is often the last thing on our mind. And if you live in Fresno or Clovis, we have a place, uh, a laser tag place, it's called No Surrender. It's this business built on the idea that we're never going to surrender, right? If you've ever watched a war movie, there's probably some kind of line in there that we're not going to surrender, we'll never back down. Now, I'll just say this, that that mentality, that mindset is not always bad. There is something to be said for working hard. And for grinding it out and not giving up when things get difficult, right? There, there's something about being said about not being fair-weathered Christians or fair-weathered anything. The problem, though, arises when we have this never-surrender, never-give-up-control mindset. And it takes the place of Jesus in our lives. This is where the problem arises. Friends, and in our efforts to be strong and independent and to express ourselves and to be free or, or whatever it is, we often lose the very freedom and independence and expressiveness that we were in, in search of at the beginning. And what happens when we in our lives try to take control and try to commit ourselves to everything and try to be the best at everything that we do, what often happens is we become slaves. To the approval of others, to pride, to insecurity, in our fight to be in control of our lives, we often find ourselves with the least control that we've ever had. And I know that this is something that each and every one of us has experienced. And can I ask, just ask this question tonight, man, aren't you tired of the grind? Like, have you ever just felt wore out from trying to figure it out on your own? You ever just feel tired, feeling like it's up to you to make sure your life is right? You ever feel tired, like, man, I just can't do this anymore. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and time and time and time again, I've been let down and I feel like I've failed. I feel like I can't do it. Friends, what I want you to understand tonight is this, that if you choose to surrender every single part of your life to Jesus, if you choose to give Jesus 100% of your life, Not only do we find freedom, but we will find God's best for us if we simply choose to lay everything down at the feet of the Father and say, God, you can have control over my life. So this is what we're going to be talking about all week. How can we live as fully surrendered followers of Jesus? Just to share with you guys where my heart has been in all of this, this has been a topic that's kind of rolled around in my head for probably about a year now. For our our church's summer camp, I shared uh, some very similar messages with our students because I felt like this was something that God had laid on my heart. That as I stand and I look around, and I've grown up in the church, I've been in the church my entire life, and I've had my fair share of mess-ups, and I've screwed up, and, and I struggle with this. And so I'll never stand up on this stage and preach to you guys, like, I have this all figured out, and you need to figure it out next. But I'm talking to you as this is something that I see in my own life all the time. And what I'm learning as I'm growing and as I'm maturing is that every single time I choose to surrender something to the Lord, I have never been let down. Every single time I've chosen to say, God, you are in control. I can trust you with this. I have not ever been left let down. But this is what happens, friends. As I stand in my position, I'm a pastor at our church. And so part of my job is to look at our students, look at our church and to say, and to ask the Lord, God, what is going on? And as I look at my own heart and I observe our church and I observe Christians in general, what I've witnessed is this. There are a lot of people in this world who out of one side of their mouth claim to know Jesus and claim to be in relationship with Jesus and out of the other side of their mouth think that they can be in control of their life. And friends, can I just tell you that you cannot say that you trust Jesus with everything and still try to help control of your life. The two of those things cannot coexist. If we say we trust Jesus, and if we're in relationship with Jesus, and we believe that Jesus is good, then we have to give him everything. And this is why I've been so hung up on this. Think about your life right now. Think about everything that you do. The friends that you have, the decisions that you make, the hobbies that you have. I would guess that this would be true in your life because it's true in mine. There are probably areas that you have said, man, God, I want you to have this. Maybe it's a difficult friendship that you've just said, I just can't figure this out. Jesus, you can have this. Maybe maybe it's a test at school that you didn't study for and so you're like, man, I don't know what to do. Jesus, you can have this test. There are probably a few things in our lives, but if we were to be really honest with ourselves, I'm sure that if we were to take a very real look at our lives, there are a few things that we've said, God, you can have, but there are a lot of things that we've held to for ourselves. And those things, they're diff- they'll differ between every single person in this room, but the truth is, that every single one of us have things in our lives that we have yet to surrender to the Lord. And what I see from this is people who claim to be devoted followers of Jesus but remain unwilling to submit all of their ways to Him. And the result, friends, is what we see in the world today. We live in a world where people do not respect Christians. Where it's actually looked down upon to say, We're followers of Jesus. Why? Can I ask why? And can I venture to say this? The reason that the world has such a bad taste in their mouth about what Christians are is because we have failed to submit our lives to Jesus. And in our own power, we have done a very poor job of representing everything that Christ came to show us. This is what happens, friends. When we say that we're submitted, that we're followers of Jesus... Yeah, we believe that we can do it by ourselves. So tonight what I want to do is this. I simply want to talk to you guys about why it is so important that we surrender to Jesus. And I want to make one big point for you tonight. And my point is this. Your life is not your own. If, you want to, if you're taking notes, you want to write, your life is not your own. And if you walk away this weekend remembering very few things, this would be one of the things that I would encourage you to walk away knowing your life is, is not your own. Believe it or not, the reason you woke up today was not for your happiness. It was not for your satisfaction. It was not so that you could have it. Your life is not your own. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, it says this, don't you know that your body is the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And then it says this, for you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Did you guys catch what I said there? You are not your own. Why? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. I read that verse, friends, and I cannot help but be reminded of the profound truth that my life is not my own. And friends, when we remember this truth that our life is not our own, I can tell you this, that it makes surrendering everything to Jesus a whole lot easier. I think the reason that many times we, we can't or we struggle to surrender our, th- our lives to Jesus is because we think we know what is best for us, right? And isn't that true? That, that we know, Jesus says, this is how you should live your life. And we can read the Bible and we can sing these songs and we can hear our pastors preach about how, the life that God has created us to live. But at the end of the day, we still think that we know what's best for us. And it comes from that place where I say, man, I know what's best for me. I know what I want to do. I know what's going to make me happiest. And it's in that place that we make the decision to not surrender everything to the Lord. Friends, as, fundament, as fundamental as that truth is to our faith. I mean, like, our, at the end of the day, like, the whole Christian f- faith, religion, is based off of that truth. Like, our lives are not our own. The reason that we have breath is not for us. It's so that we can be a light, right? So that we can serve God, we can love others, and the kingdom would grow. That's why we're here on earth. It's such a fundamental truth to our faith, but how often do we forget it? Like, when was the last time you woke up and your first thought was, man, my life is not my own? Man, I'm so excited to be awake today. My life is not my own. I would venture to guess that most of our first thoughts when we wake up in the morning are, man, who am I going to hang out with today? How am I going to perform in my game today? What are people going to think about what I'm wearing today, right? Wonder what mom's making for dinner today. I'm sure these are, these are many of our first thoughts, but our life is not our own. And understanding this, friends, will begin, I believe, to change everything for us. And can I ask you a hard question tonight? And I'm asking myself this question. It's this, if you struggle to surrender every single part of your life to God, while knowing that you were bought at a high price, that your life is not just a side note, this high price that you were purchased at is the blood of Jesus. You guys know that Jesus is who came Son of God, came down fully God, fully man, walked the earth for 33 perfect, sinless years, and was crucified on a cross, right? Taking the punishment that you and I deserve because of the sin in our lives so that we could forever be made right with God. That is the price that was paid for our lives. And it's a high price. This is my question for you. Knowing all of that, knowing that your life is not your own, knowing that you were purchased at a high price, was God's payment Was the blood of Jesus not enough to buy every part of you? That's my question for you. Was the blood of Jesus, was the sacrifice that Jesus made for you not enough to purchase every single part of you? Was it not enough to buy your thought life? Was the blood of Jesus not enough to buy your purity or your relationship? Was the blood of Jesus not enough to purchase your addiction or your anxiety or your worry? was the price that Jesus paid for us not enough, not deserving enough to then in turn have us give him everything? Can I ask this question? If we're still unwilling to surrender everything to the Lord, how much more would he have to give to have every part of you? If what Jesus did on that cross was not enough to have every single part of your heart, every single part of your life, answer this question for yourself, how much more would he have to give to have every part of you. I mean, shouldn't it blow us away that the God of the universe wanted you, you sitting in in this chapel, in this gym tonight, that the God of the universe wanted you so much that he was willing to sacrifice his only son to go through an excruciating death to say you are worth it. And shouldn't we then respond by saying, God, I'm yours. God, if you were willing to pay such a high price for my life, who am I to say that I can't give mine to you? God, I'm yours. Every part of me, I surrender it all. I lay it at your feet. Father, do with me what you will. Guide me where you want. Call me, and I will answer. And is the blood of Jesus not enough to have every single part of us? The last scripture that I want to share with you guys tonight, just as we kind of lay a, a brief foundation of what surrender is and why it's important, I think that sometimes we overcomplicate what the Christian life is all about. There's a few simple things that the Scripture says, right? Like, we love it. what we're all about is we love God and we love others, right? But as we talk about surrender, you might have that question, God, what am I supposed to surrender? How much am I supposed to give up? What do you want from me? And in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, your Bible probably says it different than what I'm going to read. This is from the message paraphrase. Okay? Some people hate it. Some people love it. Personally, I feel indifferent about it. But I love the way that this verse is written. So I want to read it to you like it says it here. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says this. this is Paul writing to the church in Rome. He says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. You're walking around life and place it before the Lord as an offering. Then he goes on to say this, embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. I love how simple that verse puts it. Friends, do you want to know what Jesus wants from you? It's your everyday, ordinary life. We don't need to overcomplicate it. He's not asking for these complicated answers, these math, your everyday, ordinary life. From the moment you wake up, the very first breath you take, Jesus, I'm yours. To when you're eating breakfast, Father, thank you. To when you walk onto your school campus, Jesus, would you guide my steps today? Father, would you take my eyes off of myself and put them on other people so that I could find needs that need to be met? God, would you help me see people who are hurting so I can engage them with your love? To your sport, to when you go home, to when your parents ask you to clean your bedroom, To when you're doing the dishes, to the moment you lay your head on your pillow. Your everyday, ordinary life. This whole passage is all about surrender. And it simply says, He wants your everyday, ordinary life. The boring, the simple, the mundane, all of it. That is what Jesus wants from us. Friends, in the Old Testament, when we read about people making sacrifices, what it really was, it was an act of surrender, it was an act of worship. Basically, it was, it was someone saying, um, here is something that holds value to me. And that day they would sacrifice sheep and goats and chickens and lam- you know what I'm saying? Like there was things and those things were very valuable to them at that time. And so when somebody would go to the Lord to make a sacrifice, they would say, this is something that is of value to me. They wouldn't give the maimed sheep or the lame sheep or the dirty sheep. They would give the purest one they had, the best, The nicest. And they would say, God, this is something that holds value to me, but because you are worth more than everything, I'm going to give this to you so that I could receive what you have for me. That is what this is all about, friends. My prayer for you this weekend is this, that you would walk away, that you would get back in the vans or the bus or the cars that you came in, and you would drive back home to wherever you came from, knowing that there is one thing in this life that means anything and it's knowing Jesus. I've tried all the other things, maybe not all of them, but I've tried a lot of the other things, and they're not worth it. So here's my challenge to you guys. I'm going to wrap up with this tonight. Here's what I want you to do. You guys have note in your in those booklets you got. You got there's room to take notes, or maybe you have a journal or whatever. You guys are going to go into So What Time later tonight. I think Byron's going to talk about that, and 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 this is going to be a great time. But here's my challenge. This is what I want each and every one of you guys to work on tonight. I want you to take an inventory of your life. Just write out everything that you do, everything that you value, everything that you find important to you. And I want you to put them into two categories, things that you've surrendered to the Lord and things that you haven't surrendered to the Lord. Don't overcomplicate it. Be honest with yourselves. Friends, I will tell you this. If you showed up to this camp this weekend looking to lie to yourself or or minimize what's going on in your life, this weekend is going to be a waste of time. I've gone to so many camps. Every winter, every summer, spring break, you name it, I've been to them. And I wasted a ton of them. Because I showed up, I just wanted to have fun, I just wanted to play the games, I listened to what the people said, I just walked out and didn't think anything of it. I want you guys to be real with yourselves this weekend. Be honest with yourselves. Take an inventory of your life and write it into two categories. Things that you value that you've given up to the Lord and things that you haven't. And this weekend, what I want to challenge you guys to do is all of those items on your list that you say, man, I value these things. These things are important to me. These are things that I do and I haven't given them to the Lord. Begin to pray for those things. Ask that God would soften your heart, that he would grow your trust, that he would reveal himself to you this weekend. Man, if you've been doubting God, ask that he would show up. Scripture says, seek and you will find. Ask and it will be answered. God is not hiding from you. He wants to be known by you, but you simply have to look. For instance, tonight, as you go, write out that list. Don't don't get let tomorrow morning come without writing out that list. Share it with your group tonight. Be honest with one another. Hold each other accountable. But my challenge to you this week is find those things. Begin to surrender them to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, tonight we're so grateful for who you are. God, how incredible and wonderful is it, the opportunity that we have to drive up to a mountain where there's no phone service, where there's no distractions. God, where we can just be completely immersed in your presence. God, we can sing songs to the God who created us who knows us, who loves us. God, thank you for the price that you paid for us. Father, and thank you for the fact that if we choose to say yes to you and to surrender every part of our hearts to you, God, that we know that you are good and that you have our best in mind. So God, this weekend, my prayer for each and every one of us in this room tonight is that you would take our eyes off of ourselves, that you would strip us of any pride, of any arrogance, of any thought that says, I can do this by myself, God, and would you just leave us empty? where only you can fill. God, that's my prayer. Father, will we learn what it means to surrender this weekend? God, will we drive off the hill on Sunday afternoon? God, knowing you, being so madly in love with you, God, so that our world would, might look different because of what happened up here this weekend. Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.